Hello and welcome to the Fallout Podcast, episode 31, aka Gibbous Morons Unlollied on This Earth. It is a full conglomeration of 525 songs in the publishment of remarkable despotism, eternally punctured into four suburbs. Kay, Bricks, Julia and Eleni. We are currently in round one of the playoffs where we will remain indefinitely. Joined, as always, by Monsieur Pippington Beard. Are you still avoiding legumes like a good Pythagorean? You know it, mate. I've been uh, rocking out in the jungle with the hippos and the crocs, me, mate. Beautiful. And Lord Sage Temple, who is the horror as a young guy like him wandering through the forest with glazed eyes. How goes it? Very good, actually, yeah. And interesting you should say that because I've been watching Pender's Fen. <sighs> now that's a great one. Mm. Prime for a Netflix reboot. And uh, over the Pemberton Walker, the narrow shoes of Nolly Hall, is birthing season in full flow? Uh, I'm not too sure about that, like, you know, but since you mentioned Nolly Hall, the last time I went down there, it was quite amusing is uh, a somebody done some graffiti on a shop um, kind of like trying to say that somebody was a paedophile but they couldn't spell pedo um, so they wrote nonce and spelled that wrong it's, it's the thought that counts really isn't it at the end of the day and um, over there in the ether, we've got uh, Tim3, a.k.a. the DJ formerly known as John Peel. Rumours are, Phil, and maybe you can help me on this, that he's moved into the fourth circle of health, that specifically uh, for those guilty of avarice, um, spenders and hoarders, handbags at dawn. Uh, what is there any truth in that rumour? Yeah, I think it's normally called Haslington, isn't it? That's what I heard. And myself, Treebeards, fat in water, emulsions suspended in a base of egg yolk, but joined by a very special guest, um, a man we know as Danny No. Am I saying that right? Uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> now, if you've spent more than five minutes on the annotated fall or looking into the fall at all, you'll have run into his wit, wisdom and detective instincts. Dan, um, what's your kind of uh, fall story? Um, but we only have a couple of hours. So, uh, you know, if you can condense it, that would be good. Oh, yeah, usually it's a three-day epic. Um, well... I've been listening to some of your previous uh, episodes and um, I think I share a similar story to a lot of people. And, you know, I wasn't around in 1977. Well, I was, but I was only seven. So um, I can't trace my history back that far. I, I um, um, As far as I can remember, because unlike what I do now, I didn't document everything rigorously when I was 14 or 15. Um, my first full album that I ever bought was from Woolworths on cassette, which was wonderful and frightening. So that was, what, 84? I, th- I wouldn't have got it the same year. It would have been a bit after that, I think. Oh, probably not long after. Um, so that was the first album I owned. Um, I guess around that time, and again, I, I can't remember. Um, I was uh, I was finding my way into John Peel, listening to some of his uh, programs under the covers. Um, I was going into the public library in town and getting out loads of music, trying to find stuff that I was interested in because I wasn't interested in lots of stuff. Lots of music didn't interest me or annoyed me. Um, I, I remember. I think my earliest memory is Kate Bush doing Wuthering Heights on top of the pops, which was amazing I found my way to Jimi Hendrix I found my way to bits of early Pink Floyd that I liked but um, really it was finding the fall um, that, that kind of completely changed everything I think finding a whole seam of music um, that then I ended up following for the rest of my life um, so it was that I, I think it, it, it wasn't easy as easy then it is now to get everything so I, I the first album I bought in real time on release would have been Extricate when I was at university a year, a year later. I think I think by that point, I'd got that um, Palace of Swords reversed copy.
compilation. I think I got live at the witch trials. So I kind of gone back a bit and then forwards a bit and and then started to fill up. I've I've never been a, a completist in terms of owning all the records in every format or anything like that. Um that's never interested me. But um clearly um obviously got everything, but not I'm not a completist in that sense, which I think sometimes surprises people who think I ought to be because of everything else I do. Um uh yeah, so um uh, I, I didn't used to follow them around the country either. Um I used to, I, I think I must have seen them at least once, sometimes more every year since about 1989-ish, something like that. Um, and the last time I saw them, I saw them a couple of times in 2017. Uh, 2017 I was, yeah. Um, right. So in, in Manchester and uh, in Wakefield that year. So um, that first time in Manchester when he had the, the kind of this swelling on his face and, and then in, in the wheelchair in Wakefield, which is a great gig, actually. Brilliant. But you kind of got the sense those are the last last gigs we'd see, I think. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you a bit about the annotated form, the flickering lexicon a bit later. But if we get into it now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and um, tonight we've got Cruisers Creek up against Just Step Sways, uh, Hit the North against Pittsfield direct touch sensitive off the Marshall suite um up against jungle rock and hittite man against jungle cloth or younger cloth as a as a someone who can't speak german might say um so phil could you give us a blast of cruisers creek off this nation saving grace 1985 what really went on there we only have this excerpt Is off, but um, that is the best part of the video. Best part of two videos because a lot of this um, footage was repurposed on Mr. Pharmacist, um, which we walked out the other week. Phil, I'm going to come to you first. Cruisers Creek, what does it do for you? So it's it's not one of my favourite albums, but I do like this tune. I, it right from the off is uh, is megaphone Lovecraft opening. I think really sort of sets the scene really well. The, the music is is kind of a bit relentless, isn't it? The big big drums and what could be a very uninteresting guitar riff is is really pumped up in a in a, in a good way with the distortion. Um, lots of handbrake turn changes and sort of razor sharp edges to the to the way the music performs. Some amazing screeching from Mez which I loved it reminded me a bit of the B-52s in the in the vibe of it all the, the only low point for me was I think there's a bit of a whiffy guitar solo about halfway through but I, I think everything else just is, uh, is is pretty much on form really with this track it's a really enjoyable song to get into Splendid uh, Al what about you? Well you know what in me uh, notes uh, keyboards kind of remind me of the B-52s uh, so Phil I'm actually there 
when we're thinking about that. But yeah, it's, it's a right prickly little pop song with, with a very purposeful stomp to it. And the kind of glam rocky groove kind of shit that people like Ty Seagal are making money out of quite a bit nowadays. I do like the distorted version you so uh, well done, Brendan, if, if that's what you're, you're doing. Because uh, I did listen back to the Peel session and it was like, ah, I love that distorted version far better. But yeah, bass is bloody brilliant. It goes all over the place. Works really well with the stick saving, uh, saving float on Rockabilly Groove. Uh, some lovely guitar noisy bits in there. But it's, it's a right strutter, you know, like for, for the walking music, you know, you, you get a proper cocky swagger uh, whilst listening to this one. One that I think I'd love to have heard it through like a big sort of like disco sound system kind of thing. I, I do think the, uh, the the walk to the dance floor would, would be uh, you know, very much of the, the cocky swagger thing. But yeah, I bloody love it. Great tune. Nice. I can't take any credit for that shitty uploaded version <laughs> on the YouTube. Someone taped off the telly or whatever, but, uh, you know. Uh, Ezra, what about you? What do you make of this? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it is like the B-52s devolving back into the primordial ooze, really sound-wise. And yeah, you know, I just love the uh, image it gives me of the uh, office whipping boy, Howard Lovecraft, cowering behind a filing desk, making notes while, um, you know, his boss fucks someone on the photocopier. Yeah, it's a fucking fantastic track. Mm. And I love the uh, hat boater's tilting line. It's really hilarious and quite precise in its target and yet really difficult to sum up. <laughs> You know, I crave sex behind steel cabinets. It's what I'm yearning, and there's a dim chance it's what I'm going to get. So, fantastic. Smutty, smutty, good times indeed. Dan, what do you make of Cruiser's Creek? Oh, it's great, isn't it? I, <laughs> I'm going to say this for everything, I think. But, uh, it, yeah, I, 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 it's very Bricks, I think. It's a very Bricks-era tune, if you want to call that an era. I don't agree with your eras, by the way. But, I was actually uh, going to say that, because guess... normally I say the numbers. This is the first week I threw out the names of a of, uh, key ladies and yeah. I was going to actually ask but yeah. I forgot well, yeah, no, it's, it, 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 it is very Bricks era. You know, the, the, the whole guitar thing. The B-52s thing, I think, is very Bricks. I think that's absolutely right. All the stuff that she was involved in, I think, does, does owe something to them. Um, I, I think they're coming from a similar place, maybe. And that's not part of it, isn't it? A bit of surf and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you've got you've got a lot going on with the vocals. He gets his high-pitched vocals in there, repetitive guitar, bouncy drums. It, it is great. A bit of megaphone as well, his realistic megaphone. There's something about um, the different versions of this though because I think the Peel version is probably the best version for me and he, he mispronounces excerpt he says excerpt in that not excerpt which he gets right on the lowest one but the Peel version and the single version has been like six minutes long which I think this is the version that's been uploaded here the other the other appearances are about four minutes and there's an extended version of seven minutes and the interesting thing is that it's such a good lyric but if you if you cut it as they did and the, that cut version appeared on some of those kind of single compilations even though that wasn't the single and um, they put the wrong version on some of those earlier uh, singles compilations they you, you miss out the bit about the potential explosion which if you if you don't have that it's just about a party was, all right but but it's that bit about well did this was there a horrible explosion that killed everybody or not you don't quite know and and you kind of think why would you cut that out because <laughs> it shortened the lyric if you're going to do that but it just seems a shame that um people have only heard a lot of people have only heard that shorter version without that mystery in it um i for me it's it's all about the lyric this really a nice stompy kind of song but um that lyric is great and i don't understand why they they cut it for those versions it's just another bizarre choice in a long history of bizarre fall choices though surely um but yeah oh yeah yeah half of the course <laughs> 
the, the video backs up. It's one of the few where the video seems to have some connection to the to the song, or, or like as a story, and and the, all that ghostly, spooky stuff at the end is uh, really cool. And yeah, um, well, let's say you see the ghosts. The, the ghosts in the video undermine the mystery because it isn't clear in the lyric whether everybody lives or dies. But the having ghosts in the video kind of implies that maybe they did all die, or maybe there's some other thing going on. Maybe the party is haunted. Uh, and there was just a couple of years before this song was put out, there was a massive explosion near where uh, Mark lived. I think in Salford somewhere in a big warehouse that blew up. And they would have been heard for miles around. I think the, the four weren't actually in the country at the time, but so they probably didn't hear it. But they would have heard about it and would have got probably gone and had a look at the burning wreckage. So I, I always wonder if he was a bit inspired by a massive explosion near where he lived as well. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting. But yeah, it just it's. Um, I, I also like the kind of um, uh, leaving in the mistakes in the video as well. Uh, there's a bit where there's some typing and the typing misspells cruisers, if you've noticed. Cruisers Creek. It, it's... I, 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 you would do that right. Any other band, correct that. But the fall don't. They leave the mistake in and it's better for it. I agree. Absolutely. You can see the joins. Um, I had to be careful this week because I pilfer a lot from the Annotated Fall in other places online. And every time I tried to pilfer something, you'd written it. So I was like, oh, I better not steal that bit. But what, one thing I did that I find interesting <laughs> was your bit about um, the Cruisers Creek, the actual place itself on the cruise ship. And I think it was you that oh, yeah. you found some of the stuff on the ship at Itself. Yeah, that's one of my my many great discoveries in in my militant um, trivia researching activities. Um, yeah, I mean, annotated for. I mean, obviously, I I don't run the site. That's Chris who yeah. Buzz Fidget um, who did that and, and does a, most of the writing, of the actual kind of entry. But I do a lot of the research, and um, so uh, I'm a big contributor to it. Yeah, so. I, um, the story, of course, is that um, the title Cruiser's Creek comes from this ship that Mark and Bricks went um, went on a cruise with her grandparents for their Jubilee wedding anniversary, whatever it was. So I thought, well, is that true? We ought to be able to find that out. So, And there was a photo, I think it was in her book, um, which has got an image of them standing on the gang gangway up onto the ship, and you can see the logo of the shipping company. So I thought, well, we ought to be able to identify what shipping company that is. And if we can do that, we should be able to then identify which ship it was, because there's a, a cruise to Acapulco there isn't a cruise to Acapulco every day of the week you know so you can narrow it down so that's what I did I just narrowed it down to which shipping line it was which ship it was and then you can find the plans of the ship and if you can find the plans on the ship then it tells you what it's not actually the name of the library by the way it's a room adjacent to a library okay. so we got that Albert, Albert yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it's important to stress that uh, um, and, and so you can we, we, we I just kind of found the ship so I can tell I know what ship it was what the dates of the cruise were and but yes there was a room on that boat called Cruisers Creek but there you go yeah and and it all I just like stories like that I like being able to prove stuff and oh completely I, I feel my life is enriched now that I know that <laughs> you should you should yeah it is beautiful I mean there's not many bands there's no, no bands like The Fall but there's not many bands that have some a resource like The Annotated Fall to, to dig into no I guess stuff. not I guess not I mean Chris was inspired by, of all things, the annotated Grateful Dead, which is his other obsession. He's currently spending his time listening to versions of Dark Star and blogging about them. <laughs> He's doing every live version of. I have no interest in the Grateful Dead whatsoever, but um, particularly not in Dark Star. But um, apparently, it's a great improvisational master. Apparently, one of the best versions of Dark Star ever played was in Wigan at the Bickershire Festival in 1972. Myself and Phil have done some research on that, but we're not we're not dead fans. We're not deadheads. Has, has he? Has he done that yet? That's the thing. That's, he might I know. have done that. <laughs> you could 
list. But yeah, so it's um, it, so the, yeah, there's not many bands. Well, I don't know. All bands have got their obsessives, and and you know the Beatles and Bob Dylan. You can buy books of in-depth research. And I always thought it was a shame that there wasn't enough attention paid to the four because there's so many layers to what was going on, and there's so much in there. And I think um, th- there was kind of a realization that the way he wrote was kind of built out that people knew about the story behind Wings with the the Civil War, and that was based on a real incident. Mm. Um, uh, people knew about that and there was a few of the things that people knew about and you've got Mark Fisher writing um, first person really to write seriously about those lyrics um, although I think he's mainly wrong about a lot of it but but I think what we've found in putting a lot of effort in over the last few years and it, as I say it's a shame people haven't done this before is just how much there is that he's borrowed from elsewhere it's a real pa- and it, I don't think it's bad writing I think it's great writing he's bringing in all these sources from different places adverts cartoons, um, films, and we're starting to just discover it's very collage. It doesn't write the same way all the time, but when he gets, uh, and there's very, I've so long staring at lyrics now, and there's certain types of lyrics that he writes certain ways. There's that clanging approach where he finds a word that sounds a bit like a word and and uses that to pick up in directions. There's loads of songs like that, and he writes different ways, but so many that really are kind of collages of different sources. Spectre versus Rector, um, you know, there's lines there out of films and so on that we had no idea about. I didn't find the key one out of, um, there was it Premature Burial, a line that lines about flowers that was borrowed out of Premature Burial but the only reason anyone found that is because there's a group of us looking at this stuff and thinking where does that come from now? Because the chances are it will come from somewhere <laughs> and, and the extent to which he did this is extraordinary. I don't I mean I haven't looked in detail at any other band's output but I don't think there's many other bands that have got lyrics that are built that way that's really unusual. When people quote it's usually from another song or from the Bible or some common quote uh, um, that you can that people would recognise. And he doesn't do that. He, he takes them out of sources that no one would know. I mean, the the other one I'm particularly proud of is um, Doctor Book's letter, where I found the magazine that, that he was quoting from. My great my greatest achievement in full trivia. And and no, no one's going to know that. You know, no one would. People knew that it was from a magazine, but not which magazine. And um, and I, I just think just that first time he did that song live, where he must have walked on stage with that magazine and just read from it and that's that's that takes a particular approach to rock and roll and rock and roll lyric writing that i don't know many other people have or his, his pedigree of approaches and this is something that i've spoken to Brendan a lot about and i know ezra's got a lot of insight into but it's it's like that william burroughs modernist uh, James yeah. Joyce yeah. kind of approach to words, isn't it? And borrowing, stealing, and in being inspired is all kind of mashed up into one thing. It is, yeah. There's, uh, is it Florence? I can't remember her name from Dry Cleaning. Um, the way she writes her lyrics is bits and pieces picked out of everyone. I was listening to an interview with her and I thought, that's what Mark does a lot of the time. He's taking stuff and putting it together. You make something else. It's great. I think until we really put a lot of attention on it, that people really realise, people have been saying he's a great lyricist, but I don't think people really listened and, and, and understood what he was doing. And I think now we beginning to yeah treating it more as a literary kind of thing i think if you look at people like the sleaford mods where it's a lot of slang and, and kind of like street stuff but it doesn't have yeah. that same literary stuff we said the same about uh, sean Ryder, for example you know it's right. great kind of yeah. rich stuff but he doesn't have that literary kind of uh, background yeah mark, mark doesn't use a lot of slang i don't think really a bit like mithering you don't get a lot of mithering in, in rock songs do you but um but other than that he doesn't really use a lot of i don't think he's trying to be too parochial i think he would avoid 
avoid being too kind of Manchester press with Salford um, Lancashire. I, I think he is writing for a bigger audience. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's get what Tim three thinks, and then I'll throw my two pence, and we'll move on. If we go at this pace, we'll be uh, we'll be here till till tomorrow. But oh, it's, oh, good, oh, it's good oh, stuff. Oh, it's very good stuff. Right, Tim Three has uh, scraped onto the wall a fine fall track with the somehow bluesy riff and entertaining central conceit, but it's a bit one note and lacks any sort of tension or real feeling. I'm always left feeling like it could do with a kick up the arse to get it going. I like it plenty when it's on, but wouldn't pick it out specifically to give it a spin. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it actually. I think, and I really love the break or the what, the chorus, whatever you want to call it, that kind of that switch. I think it just does enough to keep it interesting for me and yeah I love I love the lyrics and what you said before Ezra about the sex behind stale cabinets which reminds me of the uh, older lovers stuff about get ready for old stories of teenage sex from the early 60s kind of uh, vibe Um, he's got this kind of like smutty idea of offices so I don't know what went on in the short time he he worked in one or this is all um, uh, readers wives stuff but um, let's move on to just step Sideways from Hex Induction Hour. Does not like you've used up all your allowance of experiences. Sweet, sweet. Ezra, you're up first. What do you think? Well, this is a firm favourite of mine. I think it's fucking great. It's really lovely when, uh, you know, the fall get quite direct, when Mark gets quite direct and on the nose with his lyrics and his messaging, and he does it really well here. The song's got this kind of anthemic, cracked, mirror stacks, Motown kind of vibe to it, Um, and these weird, ghostly kind of backing vocals, which are just kind of whispered in quietly. Yeah, you know, like, to me, it's a, it's almost a medicinal song because it just makes me happy that other people think those things, which I have too thought. When what used to excite you does not, like you've used up all your allowance of experience. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, the all about the vampiric nature of the cultural media discourse and the way it drives everything towards some kind of hegemonic futurist fucking hellhole and another thing that i find really hilarious is that smith's cure for for all these maladies is nicotine (laughs) which is very funny and quite shamanic so yeah it's it's such a fantastic track i could listen to it all day go a long way alistair hello hello do you like this song alistair I very much like this song, Mr. Brendan. Um, I think it's brilliant. Love X, you know, it's, it's one of my favourite LPs. It's it's very poppy, I think, really. You know, I mean, as we mentioned, the uh, stacks kind of groove to a bit of a, you know, Northern Dolly type. Yeah, repetitive beat. Uh, but yeah, I love the rhythm section groove. Uh, the guitar's great. Love the backing vocals, a really compliment, uh, you know, Smith's con- contribution to it. Fast up tempo, proper making the drummers work hard. Damn fine. I'm fine tune indeed. Dan, what do you make of this one? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
it's it's a I think it's Riley's or he wrote most of this I think didn't he and um, I think he he said somewhere that he thought it was one of the best songs he ever wrote well I know in Paul Hanley's book he points out that actually what Mark's doing is he's fitting his lyric to the tune rather than the other way around which wasn't necessarily what he always did so even Mark recognised this was a good pop song the lyrics are a very kind of um, early 80s for the fall aren't they the hex kind of approach to stuff the production is great it does sounds to me better um, I prefer the production on this to Lecky's production on Prisoner's Creek. Um, I, I, it, it feels like there's more air in it and it feels like it's more dynamic. And um, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of time for this. And if you dig into the lyrics, it, it, there's loads of stuff to get under get under there too. Yeah. The Eastern Block rocks to Elton John, not least. Which they all. did. Which they did not long before this was written. Yeah. It was, there was an argument went back and forth about whether it was precog or whether uh, it happened. Oh, it happened. He did. Elton John went to Russia as a documentary about it on telly before all of this was written yeah no, not long before good in my mind these two songs actually have a similar kind of template similar kind of approach tempo kind of structure and, and everything and it kind of comes down to just which side of that whether it's the more melodic kind of dense sound that works for you or the kind of more spacious and the drums definitely hit harder on on, on this one but um i'm swayed by i don't think this one keeps me as interested for the entire length of the track i love it when he sings the riff and i think dan what you're right there you recognize that's a great riff i'm just going to sing <laughs> i'm just going to sing the melody of that riff and um i do really like it when he does that and uh, love the backing vocals but for me it doesn't really go anywhere in, in the in this in the way that cruises creek kind of makes that really sweet detour but but having said that it's still a great song still one of my favorites and i love the idea in terms of the lyrics his hypnotic induction process his commercial last chance i just thought there was something sci-fi about stepping sideways into your new life like an alternate timeline or something he talks about futuristic uh, futurists and stuff but there's nothing really in the lyrics that suggests but the idea of like just step sideways is is the is a philip k dick title from like the barnaby short stories would definitely be called that they're all called things like that the last robot's hat and things like that <laughs> so, <laughs> Why do, why do they abbreviate sideways? Do you think that, like, there's not no other song on class, uh, on on Hex has got its title abbreviated like that? No idea. Sways. He doesn't even why, say why it like that. No, no, it's odd, isn't it? <laughs> Another weird choice, but uh, oddly right in its own way. How about Tim three. Tim says so. I like this one a lot. Probably the lightest moment on Hex, but I love the pounding drums and the sinuous riffs. Sounds like they're having fun too, which always makes a difference in the fall over, in my opinion. Well, one thing the podcast has taught me is that I love the fall most when there's some excitement in the delivery. And if they're so bored, I feel bored in response. Not here. Not here. Thrilling. Is this moribund? <laughs> um, don't let it whip you. Come on, Phil. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I, so I was... Uh, uh, I was thinking about what you said. I agreed. I agree with the first bit that you said, which is that there's a lot of similarities between this and Cruises Creek and the arrangement and construction. But I think just steps sideways is there's there's some really beautiful movements, uh, uh, moments of arrangement as it is the, the build up. Nobody does an intro like the fall. It's so intricately sort of crafted, and the way that the bass comes in is sung fanfare over the top of it all. I just I, I'm 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 in. I'm completely in as soon as the song comes on. And I remember this is this was one of the ones on the first tape that I got given as a as a mixtape of the fall here. Listen to this. And this is one of the first songs where it was like, oh 
yeah, I get this. This is awesome. So, yeah, top banana, double thumbs up, awesome. Tweet three, I think that's everyone. So, the hard choice is at hand. Um, Alistair, which way you fall in Cruisers Creek or just steps away? Well, it's a tough cookie, this one, isn't it? Um, but I'm going to go for Cruisers. I think it. I know there's a little bit more to it musically. Aye, aye. Ezra? Dipping sideways for me. Dan? Uh, When you say the list, Cruiser's Creed, definitely. Then I listened to them and I thought, oh, not so sure. Very close. But I I think I'm going to go for Cruiser's Creed just because it feels like I like the story. Nice, nice, nice. I'm also going for Cruiser's Creed. So we're at 3-1, Philip and Tim. Just step sideways because it continues to excite me. And Timothy, he's already made made it clear. I think he's a a step sideways, Kez. Yeah, just step wins. So we're going to have to go to the fingers right from the offset. So here's the deal. You can put up to three points for each song. Give them both three if you like, or you can give them both none if you like. So uh, show me your scores on the doors for Cruiser's Creek. We've got three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And do we have a score from Tim? Uh, no, he's not doing scores this he's week. He's bloody doing scores. He's, he's never learns, does he? He'll be mourning about it next week when he gets on. Uh, we'll default to 2-1. We'll default to 2-1, okay. All right. And uh, scores for Just Steps Away. 3, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 8, 3, 6, 9, 10, 11, 12. And Tim voted for that. So it is Sways going through. Oof. It's a bit of a... Bit Your face. Your face, Brendan. Oh, hit the north, Phil. Hit it. <laughs> Funky size caught in there. Brought his uh, brought his better half along for the video. Ezra, what do you make of Hit the North? Well, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the podcast is the um, you know getting the opportunity to see all of the falls videos. And I think that this video is possibly the best of the bunch so far. It's actually kind of moving to me because, for one thing, the band all seem to be really quite happy and merry and enjoying themselves, which is lovely. Um, But also, you've got all of this kind of like cultural stuff about the north of England, like, you know, the bingo halls and the illuminations and whatnot, which isn't really as it was anymore. So it's... It's kind of bittersweet, you know, and like the north of England itself, the uh, the cheesy programmed <laughs> backing rhythm, uh, which is basically the track, it's rescued from being irredeemably naff through its gleeful commitment to its own fucking bloody-minded oddity. <laughs> oddity. 
And yeah, you know, I love the lyric uh, from the back third eye psyche, the reflected mirror of delirium, East Ender and Victoria's Lager, the induced call, mysterious, comes forth, hit the north. What a great, what a champion piece of work. Indeed, indeed. Dan, hit the north. As you do uh, for you. Dance floor. It's a dance floor classic, isn't it? it, um, it I mean, again, it, there's about six different versions of this, isn't there? I think the one you've played is, is part one, isn't it? Um, uh, I actually prefer part two. I think part one's got that, what sounds quite dated now, that kind of synthetic pattern at the beginning feels a bit dated and that, um, part two doesn't really have that. So I, I would tend to go with part two. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it, it, it's one of those songs where you've got something you can shout out as a bit of a chant, hit the north and all of that. And it, you know, brilliant. It was all up the north, you know, it's brilliant. But if you listen to the lyric, it's a lot more complicated than that. And it's not a straightforward lionization. He's digging into stuff that is a bit more um, interesting and complicated in there. And uh, that's great as well. I, I love things that smuggle smuggle things into pop popular so- uh, songs that are popular, which this definitely was, wasn't it, at the time? Um, smuggle things in there that people aren't necessarily expecting unless they listen properly. So yeah, great. I love yeah, so part one is the standard version. Part two is an excellent variation. Part three is an extended version. Part four and five are like electro dub versions. And part six is a cut up and reconstructed. Interestingly, it wasn't that easy to find them, though. They're all scattered. It's like when you type in Hit the North, you would imagine that all six parts would come up. But no, YouTube does not want it to be that easy. But uh, very interesting stuff. Computers infest the hotels. Cops can't catch criminals. But what the heck? They're not too bad. They talk to God. God's cop. That's James Anderson, isn't it? He's talking about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the Mondays do that God's cop song where me and the chief got slowly stoned, which is also Anderton, which is great. Um, I think this this is what Smith said in an interview. I think the north-south divide is nonsense, but I don't envy anyone who lives in Reading, Swinton or Northampton. They're horrible new towns and the people are spiritually dead there. So it's not against <laughs> the south per se, just things in it and the people who live there. <laughs> Poor Alan Moore. Exactly. Who's up next? Um, what does uh, Tim 3 think of this? <clears throat> well, I shall tune in and find out for you. He says, hit the north, a case in point, lightweight track without anywhere near the heft and close of four big hitters. But the sheer exuberance of it pulls it back. I love the honking fake horns and the dad dance happy stomp. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ezra on this, that it is the, just the commitment to it. And, and that's a big thing about the fall. It's Smith particularly singing over anything, no matter how cheesy or inappropriate or terrible he's just commitment at times to it just just wins you over just the just the uh, honesty even when he's taking the piss uh, and I do like uh, the fact that, um, you know, Simon Rogers, who's kind of not spoken about a lot, but it's obviously had a huge influence on that era, pan- professional pan pipe by <laughs> Simon Rogers, um, who uh, programmed up his workstation with some gentle giant samples. And, um, and before you know it, it's Marsha Schofield's greatest hour, as you described it this week, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> so Dan, the other week, Phil called me out by saying, Tom, what is your favourite Marsha Schofield song? And uh, I was at a bit of a loss. Um, so, um, Phil, you haven't had a go yet, have you? What do you make of hitting the north? No, but you know, I've not really got that much to add. I think Ezra pretty much summed up everything that I had to say about it. I think it's uh, it's 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 a really great bit of sweet sort of tribute to or a snapshot of a, a very particular time that we can probably all sort of remember, but. 
has gone without slipping into sort of some kind of nostalgic slump about it all. It's uh, that's not coming back anytime soon, is it? But um, it, there's something about how comfortable they feel in that environment, isn't there? And even Bricks is the kind of foreigner outside and seems to be just lapping it up, being like, you know, sat in the bingo wall with all the oldies and having a few too many miles for the for the night and, uh, you know, shouting bingo, probably overly loud and getting a bit too excited about fish and chips. So, uh, but it's, I, I do take what uh, what um, Danny was saying about the uh, the kind of dated sample sounds, but I, I do think it wins. I think it's kind of come full circle through the sort of the cheese and then kind of, uh, I, I, I kind of like it, like, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, I think it's glorious. And I think we'd be a, a bit of a, a miss here, Phil, if we didn't um, say um, this week a, a kind of Wigan staple of um, someone who supported that kind of scene in some ways and our musical upbringing and Alistair yourself to Russ Miller of the Tudor House passed away this week. Love and thoughts to his family. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's move on to Pittsville Direct off shift work. What about me, Brendan? What <laughs> Alistair, about... what do you think of it? No, 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 don't go to Al. No. <laughs> Alistair, yeah. what do you think of Hit the North? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be the, the chip shop fork in the dog shit uh, on this one. Um, I don't really, I, find, I don't really find it inspiring at all. I think it sounds like a talking heads beast uh, or something like that. Um, there's, there's something about it. It, just, it doesn't do it for me. I think it was in one of Mick Middle's books. I can't remember if it was the, the Smith one or the uh, the Frank one where he's going in about. Um, Smith did say he preferred Frank Sidebottom's version of it. So hit your puppet, go for it. But, yeah, I'm, I don't know what what it is about it, but it, it just it seems a little bit booty. I did come back to it for a long time. I I, I was a big fan of that. I remember we said a while back if Frank Sidebottom could take your song and do a much better version you might be in trouble but um, it's kind of put me over a little bit. Doesn't mean I love Frank's any less though. Pittsville Direct, my friend Phil Rigby, if you don't mind. It's dead quiet this uh, this beginning bit. This is, this is the best bit alright. It is the bit we're talking over. I'll fade it out now. This is the kind of anemic indie pop that is my bread and butter. And the fall didn't do too many, but when they do it, I love them. But I know one one chap in this uh, room who doesn't like uh, piss poor indie pop. So we'll wait when he comes from the other side and tells us his thoughts. But for me, 
Um, yeah, I, I love the backing vocals where there were, uh, it's like the same line comes in over and over again, but Smith's singing and there's almost, almost a harmony there. It's got a gentle vibe. It's just, uh, it's jangly. It isn't doing a huge amount. Although I do like, what are they doing at 2.30 Park West? Why have they got all those masks on? Eyes wide shut uh, came to mind with that, but um, it sticks to a pretty uh, standard structure. I, I thought any other vocalist, I don't think it would have done it for me. I think it's because Smith, again, brought himself to it, that, that it, it added to what could have been a pretty dull song. Dan, what about Pittsfield Direct? It's a lesser known in the canon. Yeah, just, just the album track, isn't it? It wasn't a single, um, obviously. Um, I, I, I quite like it. I, um, I, I, like, I like the spoken, kind of spoken word kind of beginning um, and the music kind of building up and building up behind him and comes in and I kind of feel he should have gone louder at that point point um and uh, but it kind of just turns into kind of this kind of lurching rumble kind of thing going on through the song and um there's not much more to it than that the lyric the li- there's really interesting stuff in the lyric you know um the citizens of pittsville direct will be out scaring ghosts you mentioned the masks line there's a line about riding out to where the planets roam i kind of feel there's other songs in here or there's bits here that might have turned into something else and didn't he sounds the vocal sounds kind of exhausted in a way i I don't know if that's deliberate or he was exhausted. It maybe was that. But there's something there's something that's not quite right there. I'm not sure what it is. But yeah, I I, I like it. But you yeah, you wouldn't choose it to put on on a Sunday morning, would you? It's something about shift work. It's a transition kind of period, and he's yeah. coming. And, and he is. He, there are times when he does <laughs> like he's he's had enough. But um, it has its charms. What about uh, Tim? Let's get let's get out of the way. What does he think? He's not been pulling his punches today, has he? So he's written about this sounds miserable and interminable and in the end has nothing to recommend it in my opinion I was hoping that a new year would see him with a, with a little bit of uh, still a little worse. bit of worse, if anything if anything those rings of hell are not not working for him well what do you think it's a bit of an odd rodness isn't it I, the first couple of times I listened to it through I thought this has got all the ingredients I fucking hate it's, it's like really kind of lethargic and bits of almost country slide guitar creeping into it and sounds like you wrote it yeah yeah exactly that's what I was speaking to the punch there um, but after but after a few listens to it it was I don't know I don't know kind of what changed really but I there's something really there has, there is a charm to it and it sort of grew on me and I think even the kind of relaxed slash lazy tempo and style of it really um, I, I started to get into it after a while so so it did grow on me it's it's not a kind of uh, straight out the gates winner but um, it's it's certainly got things about it that I've enjoyed nice nice Ezra what about you yeah I mean like so many other tracks from this period I really feel like it's let down by the production you know it's got a nice kind of brooding serpentine guitar riff going on like the kind of somber downbeat feel of the music it perfectly matches being trapped around cranky and cantankerous people which is what it seems to be about I love the uh, the line stood off train platform crushed sig and cook which is just perfect a perfect vision of uh, what you might do on a train platform around that time so yeah you know it, it, it's got it, it's 
by no means a bad track, but yeah, it's just a shame the producers didn't turn up the rock, I think. It's always a good idea, really, isn't it, Alistair? Should they have turned up the rock more? Possibly, yeah. There's a lot of potential in this one, really. It's like, it's, it's kind of okay in parts, Cure It's Egg. Um, it's definitely better than some of the other stuff on Shift where I haven't found it yet. It was pretty much a low point, in my opinion. Uh, not that that counts for much, but, um, you know, there's, you've got the nice sort of like bluesy slide guitar, which is, it really reminds I can't remember the name of the song. Some terrible with the titles, but we did it early on. It was a B side, really early B side. Um, but it's that kind of slidey, pretty much the same if really, the, like witch trousy type era. Yeah, that's the one. That's a bugger. Right. Um, I can yeah, hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reminded me a bit of that, but um, you know, it's kind of okay, but it doesn't really, you know, shine too much. I like the backing vocals, around me an Eastern European boss dog or something like that, and the. Uh, Nice shite analogue synth at the end's good. Uh, but yeah, I'm not so sure about the fading either. But uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit unconvinced with this one. But like I said, it's, it's better than some of the other stuff on shift work. Aye, aye. Well, let's go to the vote. Philip, hit the north or Pitchville direct? I'm going to go hit the north, I think. Aye, aye. And me too. Dan? Yeah, hit the north. Yeah. Ezra? Hit the north. Aye, aye. Alistair? Hit the north and don't forget to hit little Frank. All right, and um, attempt three is a hit the north man, surely. He's hit the north lad, yeah. Did you know there's Wiggins in the video as well? I did notice that Wigan is up there, front and center. I took a screenshot and posted it several times just in case <laughs> you missed it. Um, it reminded it, it, it's Grim Up North by um, by the KLF as well. Um, maybe at the flip side of Hit the North and um, apropos of nothing let's move on before we move on though Dan I wanted to ask you about the madness or the genius that is the flickering lexicon could you tell us a little oh, bit genius, about it genius genius of course it is <laughs> Yeah, it needs updating. Um, but yeah, no. So the flickering lexicon is my attempt to do all the lyrics broken down so you can look up any word that appeared in any full song and find out which song it was, where it was, how often it appears and all of that. Yeah. And that kind of the thing they did for Bibles and so forth. Except when they did Bibles and things like that, um, they used to have to sit down with knives and several copies of the Bible and cut things out. And it used to take them years. And there was there was one done for um, the Beatles years ago where they had to do that and, um, but I had computer help um, nice <laughs> the, the technical easier. term is a confluence right? concordance a concordance concordance, okay. concordance. Um, I've had a bit of contact with academics who, who are into this kind of stuff and they're quite interested in it I was told I, I'd done better than one of their students so <laughs> I have no background in this kind of stuff at all but um, I just thought someone should do it uh, I think there was some conversation on the full forum about it and I said well just do it then and did it over a period of time it does need updating and Clearly, some of those later songs you can't hear what he's singing me. Clearly, so it's difficult. Um, how long did but it take? I just, you know? Oh, um, I think I did it over just a period of a few weeks, just like every day, wow. um, spending an hour or so in the morning, just kind That's of really a lis listening to every song, transcribing the lyrics, and then it was relatively straightforward. Straightforward. It was complicated, but it was then relatively quick to put it through a, a computer program to generate the breakdown. Um, the thing is that obviously. At that time, um, Annotated 4, I think, was only just beginning, or, if it, or maybe it was just before Annotated 4, I can't remember. Um, so it was the the, the fall.org had a, 
lyrics for most of the albums on their site. And I was building on that, but then correcting them. And then when Annotated Fall, I, I really don't remember the order of events, but, but then I've had to take into account changes since. So my update will have to include all these changes. And um, of course, there's some stuff that people will never agree on. So you've got to make a decision as to which lyric it actually is. And not and people get very angry about that kind of stuff. Rightly so, rightly so. But um, you can't. I, I then get accused of um, being the what trying to be the source of truth, which, you know, it's just you've got to make a decision as to what the word is. And I had to make a decision about whether to include all that. <laughs> and all those kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I, but I decided they weren't really words, so um, I don't generally include them except where it's funny to do so. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 the thing. The thing. To, the thing is, I mean, as you're finding out in 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 this podcast, I'm I'm not great at describing music. I'm not great at analysing what instruments are doing. What what I'm good at is um, the kind of digging into stuff and the research angle and um, finding stuff that no one else can find. Just because I've got a background as a librarian, that's what I'm good at. I've got tools I can do. Um, I, I go and do actual research in actual libraries and actual archives as well as Googling and all that kind of stuff. So um, th this feeds into my skill set. And I kind of think there's other people who should do the other stuff. And I can. Do you feel like an Emma James character rooting around the, uh, <laughs> the archives of the fall? I do. Yeah, I do. But it's a hobby. Everyone's got to have a hobby. Uh, and this seems to be mine. Okay, think... knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think we're, given that this is a guy who um, wrote a lot of songs over a long period of time and is said to be a great lyricist, I just think, well, let's take it seriously then. Let's see what happens if you take it serious. And also, I just think, let's try and get stuff right. Why? People don't like getting stuff right. I'm I'm that guy in the pub who looks stuff up when people are talking. I am that irritating man. I will look something up. And I just think, why why am I bothering debating whether something's true or not? I just look it up and see whether it's true or not. I think it matters. People hate being in the pub with me. <laughs> there was one really particularly interesting back and forth. I think it was either between Chris and some lad or you, Chris and some lad, and it it got pretty heated. There was about seventy or eighty comments down on one thing, and I read the whole thing, and it was like. This is it was over like just a couple of, of words and it got really heated. It was it was a gem, it was a delight. And uh, I, I agree yeah, with you. So sometimes it's it's funny just to take it like that. I, I don't, you know, um I don't take it I don't take it seriously, but on the other hand, I do take it seriously. It, it, I did a thing, uh, I do some stuff about researching the photographs as well and finding out where they were taken and when they were taken. And there's a there's one taken of Mark Smith under a um, what turns out to be a railway bridge in Salford. And I found out which railway bridge it is just by a process of looking on Google Maps and seeing which bridge it was. And then I, when I was in Salford, I went and took a photo of the area and, and and, and and then measured where his head came to on the bricks to see how high he was because there'd been a debate about tall, how tall Marty Smith was and I figured you could work it out from that he stood against a lamppost and you can work you know the bricks are so high and you can work it out so I did that and you kind of think when you're under a bridge in Salford with a measuring tape trying to find out how tall Marty Smith is on the one hand that, that's a little bit too obsessive on the other hand it's funny as well it's it's funny to do it and but you actually have to do it for it to be funny so I don't know it, it, I walk the line between being completely mad and being funny about it. Well, you're amongst friends here, Darren, because we've we've had the oh, house all these Marky Smith debates, and uh, yeah. as as well as at the Christmas party, we had his uh, astrology charts up of all things. So uh, yeah, yeah, right. But um, this is, it's, good. This, uh, this is what God's should be work. done. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's like what well, you got a body of work, founded odd songs, thirty odd years. Why, why, you know, it's a gift, and uh, it, now you know now, now it's not going to be added to. It now's the time to uh, to see what gems are in there. Yeah, it's there to be. Looked at. 
Absolutely. Let us move on to Touch Sensitive So that is beautiful. It was all sounding like a regular rock and roll pop song until he started singing. Uh, Phil, what do you make of Pitch uh, Sensitive? It's uh, it's the advert one, isn't it? I kept thinking, it's, which is is really weird uh, to sort of to have something that's had so much exposure to, to talk about. Really, it's it's difficult for that like, not to affect my, my my take on it. Really, but it's it is a great tune, and then and it's you kind of only have the advert thing for the first thirty seconds of the track, don't you? And then it sort of it does other things. You know, I've not I've not heard this bit the song as much so it, which is it's quite exciting because um, it's it's not an album that I'm massively familiar with to be totally honest with you but I think the production's really good on it, it, it there's a lot of fun there's a lot of jumping around and shouting probably inebriated which is uh, is all good stuff I, I, I love the the style of singing that Mez adopts here the Uncle Peter Charlie Chuck kind of style of, uh, of of shouting directly into the microphone so it overdrives um, and I, I think everything's sort of popping about it really it's it's it reminded me a lot of Velvet Underground as well strangely I think there's a lot of that Lou Reed sensibility about how it's how it's put together um, so yeah I think it's a jolly little number really aye aye Dan what do you make of this one? Oh, this is one of my favourite full songs this one I, and it's off an album that's really odd I, I love I love Marshall Sweet I think it's a great album but it's a real it's a tricky it's an ornery beast that album it's, it's a real hodgepodge of stuff um, and at the time it came out it's kind of it was it was you kind of think wow this is the direction this is going in now then is it and and they kind of didn't in the end because the band didn't last but um it's great and 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 this song it um i mean it's a shame that everyone said oh, it's the car one it's, it's a shame isn't it because it, it's so much better than, than that might suggest the, the guitar part's very reminiscent of um iggy pop track girls off new values isn't it it sounds very similar i'd be surprised if it's not a straight borrow um and and it i think it's also a really funny song um people that say the fall have no sense of humor that have never listened to any full song in their lives um particularly this is a good one to show i love that Hey, 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 uh, it's completely irresistible. There's a really good peel version as well, which is kind of a little bit rickety and maybe a work in progress lyrically. I I know I, I could play this forever. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And and uh, from the, t- the time it came out, it was such a troubled time, clearly, for Mark and for the fall, and that they could do stuff like this. I, I, it's, it's amazing, really. It's, this is also the one that, that was the subject of that court case over Simon Hitchcock's um, uh, contribution, uh, which was funny as well. So I just think the story of this, that it's a car ad, and a 
court case. And I guess those two things go together and is just wonderful. And the video is just this really cheap kind of video. I, it's just, it's brilliant. I, I just love the whole thing about everything about it ever. It, it is kind of the garage pop rock hit that he, that he wanted to write. And it, it could have, it could have gone top 10, but in the end, of course, he went nowhere, like number 50 or something. Um, and it is a shame that it's remembered for the car advert one, because that's, it took me a long time, a lot of lessons to kind of get over that. But yeah, that era where the, they'd imploded and basically I, I heard Grant Shelby's talk basically was just well you know he sometimes big ups his contributions a bit <laughs> over the top but but he basically said it was him and Julia who put the band back together and made it you know put this album together but um I saw a live version of it where they were the band was struggling <laughs> to play even this rudimentary I think they were on the Channel 5 thing or something and um, <laughs> it was pretty rickety version of this but uh, great song great tambourine work great white suit Alistair what do you make of it? I think uh, everything's been said that I kind of uh, think about it so it's a great garagey tune isn't it um, nice sort of overdriven sound to it it was on the advert for the Ford Tipex wasn't it? Uh, and yeah, we, we discussed the uh, the court case previously, which was uh, quite amusing with the rulings. But yeah, it's 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 a, it's a brilliant overdriven pop song. What else can I say? It's, a, it's yeah, they, they could have had a a, a bonely fatty hit with it, couldn't they? Aye, aye. Lyrically, so you're dying for a pee. <laughs> So you go behind a tree and a Star Wars police vehicle pulls up. I say, give me a taxi. Or in the peel session, as you go behind a tree, two coppers follow and see that, as will be the end, the best thing is to stay home and have a wank. Um, so maybe not his most literary, but delivered in, with such a plum. You know? And I think the court case was about whether it was a Star Wars police vehicle pulls up. P-A-U-L. It was something ridiculous. Uh, the court case wasn't about that, but I think Simon Hitchcock was trying to claim that the lyrics were something they were not. So that, yeah. it, And he claimed to have written some of those lyrics. And so okay. it, it was just there were nothing like it, were they? But, um, the court case was just about, uh, ended up being about the strings and whether you ought to be paid for doing the strings for it or something. Fair enough. Is that, we haven't heard from Tim 3, have we, on this? What does Tim think? Oh, he has thoughts. Touch sensitive. Not as good as I used to think it was. It always sounded utterly terrible live. But that riff is golden and the backing vocal chant wins me over. I wonder what a Star Wars police vehicle looks like. I think this would be a lot better if Mark hadn't written the second half of the lyrics in the taxi on the way to the studio. Judgments. Harsh judgments, but it's the only way he's going to get better, isn't it? <laughs> Let's have a listen to the. Wait, I need to. I haven't. Sorry, Ezra. I'm forgetting. Ev- I'm forgetting oh, everybody. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Ezra, what do you think of Jungle? Hey. Not Jungle Rock. What do you think of the Hey 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 song? Whatever it's called. It's happened. We've hit the moment when you've fallen apart, now, haven't we? Yeah, uh, I think it's one of their very best ever i think it's fucking brilliant i think it's infallibly good um the the uh, the string part is like an enormous cherry on top of a wonderful kind of garage rock cupcake yeah it's fucking hilarious you've got all the classic fall tropes of boozing public transport the bible um it's what is it about like i feel like it must be about the overly nannied youth clean living and complaining about the cold while the nation transforms into a police state under their noses with Star Wars police vehicles. You Puritans. Fucking great. It's, you know, I just love this song so very, very much. And, uh, yep, I suppose that's all I have to say. That's plenty. And I'm glad I let you talk in the end. All right. Jungle Rock. I was walking to the jungle, jungle. 
I thought it reminded me of that and I thought I quite like it though I quite like the Jungle Rock cover it's better than it deserves to be given the cheesy nature of the original um but I really do like it I like I mean Levitate I've said before I have a real soft spot for for the album but that overdriven bass and the kind of clanging metal sounds there's a truly awful Peel Session version of it in which they get rid of everything I like from the Jungle Rock cover and replace it with the cheesiest synths. But um, I've got a soft spot for uh, Jungle 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 Rock. Uh, Alistair, I think you are going to agree with me that this is a great song. I'm prepared to be disappointed. <laughs> I don't think it's the best cover they've ever done. I mean, like some of the covers that they have done haven't been sparkling, like, and some have been fantastic. Uh, but it makes the cover of I'm a Mummy sound good in comparison. Yeah, it's it just a bit drony and don't really progress anywhere. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's like a, that, that annoying wasp that's in a room buzzing around, like, you know, that's... Uh, uh, yeah, I've not really got a great deal to say about it. Sorry, lads. So, what about all the? It's all about all the animals in the jungle having a party. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm as childish as, as uh, the rest of us, like you know, and uh, the feeling, but it's not as much fun as being a mummy. All right, Ezra, I think you are going to agree. This is a great song. You think correctly, Brendan. I think it's ace. Yeah, it's a proper earworm for me. Like I just can't get it out of my head. And, you know, it performs all the things that a fall cover should do. It repurposes some incredibly odd, cheesy track from the mists of the, what, the fucking 1960s and um, turns it into some weird testosterone-fueled banger. It's great. Originally came out in the late 50s, but was pretty obscure and then was re apparently recovered by some rock and roll DJ in London in the mid-70s, and it led to it becoming a top five UK hit single in the mid-70s. Q pans people on top of the pops. Dan, what do you make of Jungle Rock? I, I yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I'm I'm really glad they did a version of Jungle Rock. Is it is it Hank Meisel or Hank Mithel? I never know. Something like that, yeah. One, well, one of those. Yeah, I don't know. Um, which which I I love as well. I love do love the like the original. Um, I th there was um there was something Mark said about this that I like. He said, if in doubt, sing out the corner of your mouth in a high voice. That's what I do, and I kind of think <laughs> that is what he does. <laughs> do. I I also have a soft spot for the Peel version actually. I I, I like both versions. Um, I I it, I think I think. Uh, I wrote down here Steve Hanley said they were trying to do a jungle version of Jungle Rock which in the context of Levitate you can kind of see I, I don't think he felt it was a very successful cover um, I really like Levitate as an album I, it's my favourite of all the full albums it, I, I wouldn't say it's their best but it's my favourite I think it's because of when it came out and where I was at the time and all of that there's a lot of emotional connotations and just the feeling of relief when I heard that this is completely mad but 
I think I think um, and this here 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 in the fall do jungle rock. I just it was just it felt this is what you should be doing now. Get back on track after all the difficult years. <laughs> of course, we didn't know how many more difficult years were going to be, but it, I just felt brilliant. Back to basics. You're doing songs like jungle rock. Everything was going to be all right, and of course it wasn't. <laughs> but, um, but it, it was it just I just felt brilliant. This this is what we need in, in our lives. We need the fall doing songs like Jungle Rock and things will things will work out and all our lives will work out and they'll be brilliant. They did it two different ways. They could have done it a hundred other ways. The production's not great on Levitate, is it? It could have been louder, it could have been more dynamic and all that. But I, I do like it. Levitate's a real mixed bag, and I think is it the Ten House of Eve that does have a kind of jungle kind of breakbeat going on in it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well you refer to, I think to my appearance on another podcast about when I was talking about the song Levitate. Oh, is that is my favorite you when you're song on, you're on um, Steve's podcast, yeah. right? Thing. It, it's yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to explain why you love a song so much, and I can't explain why I love Levitate so much. It isn't their best song. It's not that it's not on their best album, but it's just there's something about it that that just does something to me. I can't explain it, and it's a bit like Jungle Rock. It's kind of there could be a better version of it, could be better produced, um, but there's something about it. That just I just kind of. I just kind of feel like it's right. It's just right that the fall did Beautiful. in this way. Phil, what do you think of Jungle Rock? Well, you you, you mentioned the animals. There's there's lots of animals in this song, right? Isn't right. there? But right. you know which animals are in there? I don't. I think Hank Mazzell has got a very unique view of what a jungle actually contains. So let's let's have a look at it. in Hank's view of the world. We start off with a chimp and a monkey. All right. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can Standard jungle. Then a hippo. A hippo rocks up. Maybe, maybe at the edge of the jungle, you'd, you'd see a headphone with a lot of Then a fox. Not really equipped. An English Foxy. jungle. Maybe. Then a rabbit and a bunny, if they are separate things. I'm not entirely convinced. Uh, then a camel in the jungle as well. What was the camel was doing, the... though? Who was, he, who was he dancing with? Well, it, I'm glad you asked me that. <laughs> he was talking to a special contributor who happened to be an elephant in this jungle. It's. Uh, I, I think somebody needs to buy Hank uh, my first jungle book just so that he gets a bit, a bit of a better grasp as to exactly the ecosystem that he's trying to make a record of it. Um, I love the fall version. I, I, I had no idea what the fuck was going on when this record started. And by the end of it, I was totally sold on it. It's it's crazy and fucking ridiculous and it completely works for me. Yeah. There's a bit in Blackadder 4 where they, they're going to sneak into the uh, no man's land, but they decide just to paint a picture of it from in the trenches and um, Baldwin paints and George paints it's like yes there may have been slightly more um, guns and slightly fewer elephants in in No Man's Land Um, time to vote is it Tim 3 what's he think Um, (laughs) what a gash <laughs> two word reviews. Uh, so touch sensitive wins it. Shark sandwich. Um, Alistair, which way are you going? You going um, jungle rock or touch sensitive? I'm getting a bit touchy and feely with the touch sensitive. All right. Uh, Dan, which way for you? Uh, touch sensitive. Jungle rock loses points for being zoologically inaccurate. Okay. It is important to be correct on these things, as we've said. Ezra? Absolutely touch sensitive. And the same for me. Jungle Rock is a sweet tune, but I don't think it can uh, really stand up to the mountain. It's quite clear that Twitch Sensitive is actually going through. The pity vote. All right, let's move on to the last showdown. Hittite Man off the Sir William Ray single 2013 and also off Remit. (laughs) 
images from the ground White robes It sounds You don't The Hittites, of course, uh, centered around uh, Turkey in the second millennium BCE, and uh, also Mark claims in bits of chili. Ezra, what do you make of the song Hittite Man? Yeah, it's very nice. You know, the uh, I like the um, eastern desert surf guitar going on there. Interesting that whereas most kind of prophet-type men in fall songs come from the gloom, emerge from the dusk into the twilight streets, this dude's dressed in white coming out of a sand dune. Really nice track. Um, I'm really curious to know what a scalded crucifix is. A great lyric. Mm. Exactly. One whose mum's caught him with his hands in the biscuit tin, no doubt. Alistair, what do you make of this track? I really like this one. It's um, It reminded me a lot of uh, Man or Astro Man. Um, I mean, easily like pick apart the surfy, what it sounds like, because there's bits in it sound like Red, bits in it sound like Dick Dale. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it kind of like falls in the middle somewhere, uh, which is uh, where I came for the uh, Man or Astro Man conclusion. Great tune, yeah. Hittites get mentioned in the, the Old Testament quite a bit, where they, they, they're often smitten by the children of Israel. Um, not smitten, a bit smitten. Yeah, something like that. Um, not good. Um, yeah, brilliant song though. I'll leave it at that. Indeed, Philip. What about this Hello. for you? Hello, they were smitten with the children of Israel. <laughs> Listen, Phil. Really you've like read, you. You've read really the Bible. Like Come on, tell us what it really says. It's, I'm going with smitten. That's it. No, it's canon. What a glorious tune this is. I keep, I, you know, every time we play something off remit, I keep meaning to mention the artwork off the front of the album because it's it, it, that is one of my favourite covers. That love that picture. Like, there's, there's loads of. It's like one of those Renaissance pictures, isn't it? Where it's just, it's just a snapshot of a scene, but there's obviously a story going on with people looking in different ways and stuff. It's his sister um, who did the same same sister who did um, grotesque. Oh, is I it really? It's because it's got that kind of well, not so much Hogarthian, but it's it's got that kind of sense of there's uh, there's something going on that you've got to work out in the picture. So I, I, I really like that. Um, it, yeah, it, I feel like I'm watching a Tarantino movie when I'm, I'm I'm listening to this tune, and I think it's really well arranged. I think the performance is is absolutely spot on with it, and I, I love the the electronic textures going on in the background, like some kind of scurry alien is hiding in the shadows of the song, which uh, which I, I think is great. The lyrics, like Ezra was saying, there's some absolutely blinding lyrics in here. It goes from the mundane of, um, you know, Stacey, David and Julie to uh, these more kind of mystical, psychedelic kind of imagery of, of prophets, uh, as, as Ezra was alluding to. Give us morons. What a great line that is. So I think there's there's loads going on in this, which is absolutely fantastic. It was uh, it was a bit of an unknown quantity when I, I I put the playlist on, but I was thoroughly enthralled with it. Smitten. I was low. I was smitten by the Hittite man. Beautiful, Dan. What does this one do for you? 
Oh yeah, I love this. I, I, I'm a big fan of Remit as an album. This was, I think, was a B-side to Sir William Ray, wasn't it? Which I like as well. Um, I think this has got a kind of very classic, distinctive Greenway guitar part, and it, it does great guitar things, ringing guitar part there. And uh, the rhythm section sort of grinding away. And, and the lyrics, there's loads in the lyrics. I think um, he obviously put a lot of, lot of work into that. There's a lot to, I, th- I understand there's quite a lot of debate about whether the Hittites in the Bible are the same as the Anatolian Hittites. Uh, I, th- I think um, he'd been reading some of those dodgy history books, hadn't he? And, um, which I'm glad he did because I think it gave him good good ideas for songs. So yeah, I, I, I love the fact his vocals are brilliant on this as well. He's got high p- high pitched bits, growling, the whole gamut. It, and it's just really, really good in every respect. Yeah. He's, it's one of his best Tommy Coopers, and then he, he goes into and then he goes into the really soft that soft silly like and stay and Julie. It's a, it's brilliant. It's a really good vocal, and um, I'm not remembering is is remit a Grant Showbiz production? I can't remember. I don't uh, remember. No, it's not. He produced it according to Smith got credit on on remit and also on sublingual tablet. I think, but whether or not, and Akira Melling got put his hands in some of the some of the um, production yeah. around that. Ding either. Ding has got engineering credit there. I, oh, Grant Grant's got engineering credit. There you go. Right. So. I I always think some some of his best vocal performances are when Grant's producing. I think Grant Showbiz really where got you, the way. Where were you looking then, Dan? Because in my mind, you've just got like some kind of map in front of you. Of the <laughs> I just looked at the Fall Online discography. I assume that's what anyone would do. I don't do anything special in that. I've not I've got a better memory than anybody else or anything like that. But the only difference is I know not got good memory, so I look stuff up. <laughs> I don't understand why other people don't. Sweet, sweet. There was a bit of period of time where there's a few albums that are a bit too pub rocky for me. And the Imperial Wax here, it gets a bit solid and i think the, these last three albums he moved on from that and this kind of this it reminds me of the and i, I don't know if it's deliberate because of the nature of the actual the lyrics as well but it has that kind of all those saharan guitar bands that kind of got popular around that time the tinari when i think is the bigger oh yeah they're great from Mali and yeah, all the really good, yeah. Saharan and North African stuff, and and it's got that it's got that kind of vibe. And I don't know, I don't think it's a coincidence. But if it if it if they've done it deliberately, it's a great choice because it's it's a great song and just so much space. It's so beautiful and great lyrics. Yeah, just all these sub bass sounds and squelches and stuff going on as well. Yeah, it's it's awesome, it's, uh, fantastic. Who's not had a popper this yet? Tim Three's not said he's he's bit has he? He's, uh, so this is what he sent through the ether. A crawling and filthy thing with a terrifying closing. I really like this one, especially the all low end bass rumble. Although I wish the guitar didn't sound so boss guitar pedal like. Something a bit... <laughs> Something a bit more subtle would make the song sound so much better. Only been in the room. Is that everyone? Can we move on? Let's have a look, look at Younger Cloth of Sublingual Tablet 2015. It was a blast for a look. <laughs>
does come in. He does come in after, <laughs> after about He's two minutes or something. Um, I can make out D, a reversed Y, acrylic, lower, girls, question mark. More demonic than italic. A stake S, the numeral two at the end. <laughs> Quite a description. Dan, what, what's, uh, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I, I like this. Uh, um, there's supposed to be an African influence on this. I read somewhere. Um, I can't remember where. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think I think they used to sometimes play this into Hittite Man or the other way around sometimes. I think I, think I spotted that on some of the set lists, but, um, which is interesting. But um, I love the drums at the beginning, all of that, I think is, is great. I think he, he takes too long to come in, although it reminds me of so many fall gigs when the band would come on and start playing and he'd arrive five minutes later. Uh, given the quality of the beginning I kind of feel well all right he was giving them some space to kind of just groove there for a while and all of that and so I, yeah I, I think it sounds great um, and the lyrics are very mysterious so you quoted some there which seems to be about reading an optician's they're called Snellen charts aren't they um, reading one of those charts uh, and and there's something that connects to his youth because he had he had some um, issue with reading or sight or something when it, in his biography he talks of autobiography he talks about this not being able to see words right or something like that so you wonder if he's reaching back into his own past or it probably isn't I've no idea but um, it's a lot going on and it's really peculiar and odd and it really invites you to kind of really listen carefully to what on earth is going on um, but yeah I like I like it yeah I wouldn't put it stronger than that but I do like it it's something macabre going on but if yeah. you're if you're at the opticians and you're looking at you, you're seeing reversed wires and, and snakes you might want to, you're probably going to need some bifocals get a different optician yeah. Ezra, what about this one for you? Yeah, this is a very enigmatic piece, isn't it? Um, musically, it kind of reminded me of another track from around this time. I, th I think it might have been past number two or another one. I think it's the synth on the opening. I didn't really get the African thing so much. It sounded more like a kind of grungy beef heart type groove to me. Um, but yeah, it's it's like the, the words are just so interesting, like uh, the part which I picked out here, then a letter so simple yet dis disgusting in a stroke and the it antimatter that writ wrote it inexplicable and disgusting limp yet mocking indestructible in a stroke it encapsulates all that is foul in man and creature it is scoffing in a spacious and wasteful Rochcliffe Valley Hall revealed in dream in cloth the dry cleaning fluid erased the brain so far and I was just like what is this dark magic what is going on here and I was so curious I did a google search for Rochcliffe Valley Hall and I couldn't come up with anything apart from Rockcliffe with a ck instead of r-o-c-h and there's a rock cliff in the north and a rock cliff in Scotland I think if I'm remembering correctly but yeah, God, what's it all about? I really, I mean, musically, I kind of prefer Hittite Man, but I'm tempted to go for younger cloth just so that we can really wrestle this to the ground and nail it nail it to the floor and have a proper autopsy. Aye, indeed. Al, how about this one for you? Yeah, I really like it. Looking forward to the autopsy, Ezra. Um, yeah, there's nothing boring or wanky going on. There's a nice jammed out sort of organic feel to it. It's very much of the era kind of sound to it. 
I'd like to word with you know, slightly louder guitar mix in there, but yeah, it's a great tune. Yeah. I can say a little bit having a bit of an Afrobeat influence, that long, those long drums that's, that, that gives it that kind of uh, African sound to it. it. It hadn't occurred to me until Dan mentioned it. Uh, and then I started sort of like kicking it apart. And yeah, I did. it's not like very fast, sort of like African drumming, like you, you could be in a big like fan the, there. The Burundi kind of stuff, it's more like a laid back kind of fella yeah, track yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yes, that's- it's, a, it's a sweet, sweet track, though. Phil, what do you make of it? Yeah, I was I was a bit I, I couldn't hear the African thing until you mentioned Afrobeat then. I can hear that Tony Allen sound. It's produced very similarly, isn't it? It's got that Tony Allen kind of tone to the drums, and it is I, I think Alistair's spot on with that organic kind of way it really breathes, doesn't it, in, in terms of how it comes together. Even the keyboard as well, that reminds me a bit of Fella now actually thinking about it a little bit. Oh, yeah. it's, it's quite similar, isn't it? It's like zombie and stuff like that. Um, which is that awesome fellow Cookie track? Um, I, I love this album anyway. I think there's the I don't really think they put a foot wrong on this album. I think it's it's absolutely bad. Yeah, and I, to be honest with you, I think it's Ezra's managed to switch my vote. So I was going to vote for, for it's album. You talked me into uh, younger, younger. I, I think this is this, this will take a little bit more time to uh, to more pick. So I'm um, yeah. So I'm going to throw my vote down early. There you go. It's a, it's the toughest uh, choice of the evening, but similar to those two long form tracks at the beginning, it has the same kind of like kind of epic pieces that the, the plot a kind of path. And I could definitely say these two could fit back to back. I think the big difference is the keys that come in on the second one, but there's a lot of similarities between the two tunes. But having Eleni up there, and there's an alternate version of Hittite Man where Eleni plays more of a part. And um and I could see how these would fit back to back, but they're, they're awesome. I mean, you know, if anyone needed to make a case that the Falls last few albums were worth listening to, you know, you couldn't go wrong with this. Um, magic. So what's Tim think? Of me, Hector Sketch. He has scribbled great synth cheese preset and a wonderfully building opening. Your choppy, funky guitar is a surprise when it comes in, but it's it fits brilliantly. Mark vocally is on fire. Reminds me a bit of the essence of tongue and delivery. Production-wise, I think it could be so much better than it is. The balance just seems off somehow. Still a somewhat elusive number that I struggle to fully get a grasp on, but definitely it sits somewhere near the top in the latter-day catalogue. Sweet. And so the toughest vote of the evening, possibly. Phil, you've cast your vote already for Younger Cloth. Ezra, which way are you going? Oh, it's fucking tough. Uh, I'll go with Younger Cloth and regret it. Dan, which way are you going? Well, it reminds me a bit of the difficulty I had between Cruises Creek and Just Step Sideways. Um, uh, I, I went for the kind of the story lyric in that one. Um, so I, I'm going to stick with Hittite Man, but I think the lyric hangs together better. Um, it'd be tempting to go for the more mysterious lyric. Um, yeah. um, I kind of like those two, where they're a bit more cryptic. But no, I think I'll... It is It is a tough one. It is a tough one. But I'm going to stick with Hittite. It's actually, it's been a great uh, set of tracks this evening. I mean, I've um, we're at this point where basically even though it's a random choice every week's throwing up these kind of showdowns already which is just testament to the depth of quality in that catalogue it's unbelievable yeah you, you see I the, the trouble I have with what you're doing is you're doing it all wrong of course of course it, it's, it's kind of it's this element of chance you've introduced which I just think uh, that's not a 
unacceptable. I did this, I set up this poll which pairs every song against every other song. Um, and that's better. It, it never ends. You just keep doing it forever. Uh, yes. That's the only way. Really. That's right. What you should do is go back to the beginning and start again, really. I know we thought about it. And then, I you think... see, the way I do it, it's kind of, I don't have to do a podcast either. You see? So, there was, a, there was a, there's been a couple of them along the, uh, um, on the fall forums and places at oh, yeah, the yeah, time yeah, I've yeah. seen them. And, um, it's it, kind of a football it's... league approach or something, isn't it? You ought to do like a bit like a tennis match instead. Or I think it's, I mean, it was Peel who says, you know, Peel who said something along the lines of like anyone who even tries to give a top five just doesn't get it. Or they're doing it wrong. But, um, you know, <laughs> we, sh- we shall persist. When well, yeah, I guess you've got to finish now you've started. Or you? less, I think so. Then we'll do it the right way. Yes, we'll do it again. <laughs> Ah, yeah, get to the end. Start again. Do it properly. Al, which way are you going? Oh, well, I've been uh, smitten and snotted by the Hittite man. Him? He has given scores for this, but his main vote is for Jungle Club. And so I am going for Hittite man so that it goes to a vote. Um, it's fingers. What, what did Tim put in, in terms of his, his numbers? He's given Jungle Cloth three and Hittite Man two. Okay, so it's a close one. All right, let's go first. Up to three points for Hittite Man. Three, six, nine, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. If that takes him to seventeen. Oh, that's a big score. And out of three for Jungle Cloth. Three, six, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Fifteen for younger cloth, seventeen for Hittite Man, so Hittite Man makes it through. But in a few weeks, we will reach the halfway point and we will be allowed to bring those tracks back. Those hundred tracks that we said didn't deserve to go out. <laughs> we'll all get another chance. Um, and that rounds up proceedings for the evening, Dan. Thank you very much. It's been a lot oh, of fun. Thanks for inviting me. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Hopeful. More than expected. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can come back in round two. Um, we'll see. Yeah, happy days. Um, thank you, chaps. I shall see you all next week. Have a good one. You and all. Yeah. yeah.